Welcome. You have found Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this week, we're celebrating an amazing anniversary. And I love, Lisa Jo, that we figured out the perfect slogan for new t-shirts. Do any of our listeners make (laughs) t-shirts? Ooh, that would be fun. And also, you guys might get a kick out of knowing that today's conversation is all about the kind of success that looks like a flower garden. Beautiful, even though it makes very little real-world financial sense. Get comfy. Here we go. So it's February, and in my family, Lisa Joe, February is a big birthday month. Not in our immediate family, but like in my extended family. I feel like half of my relations. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this. There are an overwhelming number of birthdays for us in the month of February. So that February is one long series of me saying, oh, darn, I didn't get it in the mail. Oh, no. <laughs> that Oh, that niece too? Oh, my gosh, I forgot. So <laughs> everybody has a birthday in February. And, and this week, I realized you and I have another sort of birthday that we should talk about. It's been a while since we talked about it on the podcast, but two years ago this month, you and I, with our listeners and a small group of friends, started our care package from the Black Barn Online called Paper and String, our digital care package. And along with that, we opened the doors to... The Black Barn Online. So this is our two-year anniversary, and a lot's been happening, and we should talk about it, and we should say happy birthday to us, I guess. <laughs> I know, it's our barn anniversary. <laughs> barn anniversary, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, it is wild to think about that. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, we'll give you a little chance to catch up with us, but I will point out that every week in the show notes, there's a link you can click that says, Subscribe here for our digital care package called Paper and String. And if you've ever wondered, what does that mean and haven't clicked through, (laughs) we're here to (laughs) celebrate that today. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is one other instance, Lisa Joe, of that thing that you and I have been talking about now since episode one, which is... We plant little seeds, just little grass seeds, and then we're astonished when um, they turn into something life-giving and amazing. And that's been true with the whole um, Blackburn Online community as well. They were grass seeds planted two years ago, and now it's like this meadow we all get to wander through and (laughs) have great conversations. And so much has been happening in the Blackburn sense. Actually, I I like to play this little game with all kinds of things in my life where I tend to, in the moment, I can feel overwhelmed. I can feel anxious about the work, right? Because you're just, you're always in the work of life. You're always in the middle of ordinary life. You're just doing it. And I can, I can forget to sort of stop and like lift my head above the weeds, so to speak, and like take stock. And, and so I play this game where I say like, okay, when this started or a year ago or two years ago, If you had told me it would look like this and you would be doing this, this, and this, what would you have thought? And so often, the truth of what I would have thought would be like astonishment, like, oh my goodness, it's so wildly successful. How could it be? But I can lose track of that when I'm actually doing it. So an anniversary is a good time to sort of stop and say, oh, that thing we set out to do, it's happening. (laughs) We're doing it. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I want to add a caveat for the listener right now who is thinking to themselves, oh, good grief. So this entire episode is going to be a commercial for something they're trying to sell us. So <laughs> that is not what this is. And I also want to clarify when Christy uses the phrase wildly successful, you might think that translates to lots and lots of dollars. And <laughs> I would just like to go on record as saying part of what's interesting about this community called The Black Barn Online that we have helped grow together and this monthly publication that's digital called Paper and String that we help curate with a lot of very gifted friends is that they are in many ways not the model that you see in all the places where folks are celebrating big success online. They are very modest <laughs> in what they bring in. I think Christy and I often joke about how our inability to translate the ideas we love into huge bank account level successes. And yet at the same time, that's why we want to share with you, this has continued for two years because really it's a love story. It's a love story about gathering people together in a community who love to think about faith and art. I'll actually just read to you, we have this beautiful tagline for this community and uh, it says, where faith and art cultivated in community take root, flourish and grow. And honestly, Christy, in many ways, I think about this Black Barn online community, and it's called the Black Barn online because if you're not aware, Christy has an actual Black Barn at her house where we hoped to gather people. And then the pandemic hit and shut the world down. And so we moved online and realized we can have a lot more people there. So the Black Barn online is what we call it, a place where people gather. It's not a Facebook group. It's not attached to the usual social media norm. And it exists in many ways, I'm just making this connection now, like your flower garden, Christy. A flower garden people might look at and say, well, I mean, what's the purpose? It's not really growing you vegetables for your kitchen. It's not bringing in income. It's not supplementing your income by helping provide food for your family. It is just beautiful. It is just a place for people to sit and talk as we've shared about in Christie's garden. And in many ways, that is how the Black Barn online community functions. It does not bring in a ton of sustainable revenue for the people who host this space, but it's serving a deeper purpose. It's meeting what we hope is a soul need. It is a quieter gathering place for intentional reflection, for rhythms, for spiritual practices, and for real community. And Paper and String is the same. It's a beautiful publication that comes out every month that has contributors who bring art and recipes and articles and movie reviews or book reviews. And once again, it is like flowers. It exists as something beautiful for the soul that isn't necessarily translating into ROI. You know, it is existing in order to bring beauty into your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about here today, how sometimes the things we're called to do we continue doing them, not because of the reasons the world might say we should, but because we feel called to. And really, Christy is the one who leads that community and her calling and her conviction keeps pulling us deeper and deeper into her flower garden, both online and in the real world. Yeah, I like that comparison to a garden because the thing I didn't understand when I was first dreaming of a flower garden and thinking about it is that when we create certain kinds of places, they um, can be places where we are transformed, where we are healed. Um, and I wrote in Placemaker about how the flower garden was a place of healing for my family. 
And it turns out the Black Barn has been that as well. And you're right. Yeah, it's not a business. It's a nonprofit trying to be sustainable. But, you know, we're still in that, you know, early phase where we rely on donations and are looking for grants and things like that. But um, in two years, it has become a place of personal transformation and growth for people, um, in large part because we brought in another friend, um, Amy Knorr. I think we've mentioned her on the podcast before. So she has been for these two years, the community chaplain, essentially, for the Blackboard Online. And the really fun story there is that I have known Amy since I was a kid. We grew up together in Texas. And then um, a few years ago, she ended up moving with her family just like 15 minutes from me and we reconnected and that was great. We reconnected. We were friends. Um, that whole period when I was writing Roots and Sky, Amy and I were meeting, doing this crazy thing where we would get up really early once a week and meet at the local Starbucks and pray together. And it was so early. It was like, <laughs> I don't know how early it was. Like, That's saying a lot if it was early for it, you. <laughs> yeah, it was so it was. I don't know how early Starbucks used to open, but I think it must have been right when they opened. So like 5 a.m. I don't know. But Oof. it was it was such a good time because we were both I think we were both still new to this area, pretty lonely and kind of figuring out, you know, what we were meant to do here. And I had just started writing this book and. I guess that's one of those instances where I look back and I say, like, if you had told us then <laughs> the kind of projects you'd be creating together and the kind of community you'd be um, cultivating together, like, it would have totally blown my mind. So, yeah, the Blackboard Online has become a place of soul care and beauty. And it, it's, what, it's one of those things, too, Lisa Jo, I don't know if you do this in life where it's like lots of words come out of my mouth that are the things I believe to be true. But it's like, I still have to live them to really get, oh, they're true. So I've always said things about how important beauty is and how it can be spiritually formative and and change us. And I've always said these things. And I've talked about how important it is that we're, you know, kind of learning how to have conversations with art and how to connect with one another around beautiful things. And I've said this. But I don't think I really knew what I was talking about <laughs> um, until really now. Like, I can kind of look back at these two years and say, oh, this is what it looks like. And it it is real. It is true. And yeah, I just feel astonished by that. Like, so one of the coolest things that we've been doing, I, I guess, this past year, but we recently, yeah, we've just been doing more of it. So we have a special room in the Blackbird on Light called the Black Barn. Oh, and I should just pause and say... Like, it's free. You can come on in. Black Barn Online is free. Come on in. So, also free is the art gallery. You can come into the art gallery. So, we have these semi-occasional exhibits, but unlike an in-person art gallery, you have all kinds of access to the artist. So, it's not just art hanging on the walls. It's the artist telling you her stories, talking about how the art is made, taking videos and inviting you into her studio and talking about her process. And then we'll do these live Zoom conversations where people get to ask questions. And so the art gallery has been one of the coolest things. So we have an exhibit right now featuring um, two artists, Hannah Weston. It's called Hannah Weston, the Alphabet Poetry of Leslie Bustard. Well, Leslie's a friend of ours too. She lives in Lancaster. 
She's a poet. She writes these beautiful little poems. And Hannah Weston is a talented uh, lettering artist. She does like all kinds of calligraphy art. Like, you know, those old illuminated books where like the first letter would have all these like gorgeous illustrations with it. Like that's what she can do. So she um, lettered and illustrated um, A through Z, all these poems of Leslie's. And that's the exhibit that is up right now. So it's an art gallery that's all about conversation. And it's just one more thing that like I didn't know I needed in my life. (laughs) And now I know. Um, Yeah. And our last exhibit with an abstract painter, that was so cool because I know probably a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't, if I don't understand what it means or it's not like, I can't tell what the picture is. Like, I don't know how to interact with it. And she, she helped us like understand. Um, this was Susan. I'm going to pull up her Instagram. But yeah, I think the the Black Barn Art Gallery has been one of those things like we didn't necessarily set out to do, but it's been one of the coolest um, things that, that has come out of it. So yeah, Susan Mulder, she also, she's a poet too. She's amazing. All these Renaissance women, incredible. So you can find that uh, Susan on Instagram at that that's me, Susan Mulder. I love her Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of what was fun this last month is all the contributors to Paper and String took some time to reflect on how it came together. Mm. And one of the quotes from our friend Anna, who does all the design for it, is she said, this feels like pieces of the heart of God shared mm. through the lenses of people committed to seeing the beauty in the ordinary, the joy in the mundane the holy in the routine. And I think what I like, Christy, about this month's issue is that, and maybe what I'll ask our editor if we could do is it might be fun to include this, for this episode, for our listeners, a link to this anniversary issue for free to you guys that you could see if you like it and decide if you'd like to subscribe to Paper and String because it is a collection of all of our favorite articles from the last two years. It gives you a glimpse into what paper and string is like. But what's really special is there's an origin story at the beginning that shares how it came together. And I know we're talking with an assumption of knowledge about what we do in these places, but maybe we could share a bit more of the origin story of the Blackboard Online and then of Paper and String, because I think our hope is, as you're listening, is that there's probably something in your life too, right, that you've thought about, I'd love to do that, or you had a friend mention or invite you to do something. And if you're like me, Chrissy never feels this way, I feel like, but if you're like (laughs) me, you have that question mark, like, ugh, like, is it going to make any money? How much time will it take? Is it going to take energy away from me? What's it worth? You know, should I do this thing that doesn't really bring in anything, but it's just for joy and beauty. And maybe we could share a little bit about how that came about for us, because what it is, is a collection of people, like a collection of gardeners. And in the beginning, it was just Christy and myself and our friend Alrina, all with a few seeds. But now there are 10, 12, 15 people contributing to these projects, and it has grown into something we couldn't have imagined. And I would say it's sustainable not necessarily just financially, but what's happening is it's actually sustaining something in us that we didn't even know we needed sustained. It is cultivating in us a space of meaning and beauty. And too often that is discounted in the world that we live in today. If you can't put a dollar for dollar amount on something, we tend to think it doesn't have value. But here it is two years later, 
all of these contributors all sharing art stories, literature, recipes, music playlists, and it is sustainable, but in a completely different upside down kingdom way, I would say, Christy. Yeah, I think that's true. And I too, I, like, I keep being surprised by what comes out of it and like what makes it feel worthwhile to me. So I sent an email, I think it was just this week, um, because one of the things we do in the Blackbird Online is uh, we do these regular small group sort of, we call them tables. A small group of people gather around this virtual table for eight weeks with uh, a guide, a coach, a teacher, um, usually a spiritual director, and um, they explore some topic together and they have guided, they have teaching and guided conversation. And it's kind of a small spiritual formation group and little listening community. And so we're about to, to, to open up another one. Um, actually, I, yeah, I think a new group will start gathering on, on Valentine's Day, but we offer these pretty regularly. So, um, one of our, um, just our, one of our most beloved table hosts, uh, his name is Troy and he's a spiritual director and he leads these great tables in the barn. So I was sending him an email about this next table and it, it just started to come out as I was writing him like, Troy, thank you for what you do. I love what you do. And the cool thing is, is that we, we provide a space for him to gather with a group that like, where else would they gather virtually? Like we have the space. So we, you know, we share it with him. And so I told him, Troy, it's so amazing what you do, what you share with us, your wisdom, um, these, these groups you're leading. I said, if, if the only thing we'd ever done with this whole black barn and paper and steering, if the only thing we'd ever done was create a space where Troy Katie can come in <laughs> and lead these small groups, I said, that would have been worthwhile. Like you've, you've led so many of these transformative group experiences. And so it was like helpful for me to put like a little marker in that and say, oh, that right there absolutely worthwhile. And fortunately as well, like people are paying for those table experiences. I think it's a really good deal. Um, but all of that then goes to to Troy to, to pay him for his time. So it's a, it's not only a space for him, but um, a little bit of income for him as well, which is, you know, part of our, our mission there. Um, so yeah, I think we should talk about how it began because that's something I never, like I didn't set out to, to do that exactly. It, it just sort of evolved. So if, things we're involved in in life, like like we, we don't always, actually, I'll say we never get to see the end of the road. We hardly ever even get to see three steps ahead, right? right. <laughs> so, so like what, what prompts you to like take that first step, to take that second step? Like how do these things begin? Um, I think that's really good to, to stop and, and ask ourselves. And I'm not, I don't have like a ready answer. I got to think about it. Okay, Lisa Joe. How did this all begin? I think I could say one thing, and then sure. if you want to share too. So one thing for me is that I think it began with a, a bit of discontent, a bit of uneasiness. So we had just built this barn. I knew it was for gathering people, and I had started trying to do that. And I was, you know, a little workshop here, a little gathering there. Some of them were just really great. They were good experiences. But every time I did it, I would share about it online people would respond and I would have this very strong sense that what I was trying to do wasn't just for people local to me. wasn't just for people who lived near enough that they could drive to the barn. I always had the sense that somehow I was supposed to be opening the doors a little wider in order to include people who lived really far away. 
Um, and I can't really explain that because I don't like, you know, if I have a dinner party or something, I don't feel bummed that my friend in California can't come. Like it, it is what it is. But for whatever reason, I felt this sense of like, this isn't quite it. This isn't enough. And it started to grow out of there for me. Which makes sense because I think that when I think about your barn, your actual barn being opened for the first time back in July of 2019, you hosted the most glorious book launch party for me and my book, The Middle Matters. And it was our first time we gathered podcast listeners in person. And it was so beautiful. And yet we experienced constantly this niggle of discontent because people were sad that they couldn't get one of the limited tickets or they were too far away to come. And we then, after that event, had some in-person retreats we hosted for small groups of writers, but again, felt the sense of like, but how, how do we let more people have access to it? And then when the pandemic shut, shut the world down, suddenly we were forced into having to say, well, okay, we can't have people in the actual barn. There's nobody here. What does it mean? And we were forced, as our friend Nestor often says, Michael and Smith talks about how she calls limitations lovely. She calls them lovely limitations because they force you to have to come up with creative solutions. And so the world being shut down meant that we had a limitation and we'd already had a, a limitation of how many people we could have in person. And so it shifted us into a space of saying, what does it look like to be online? Okay, but we don't want to be on Facebook. What does it look like to find a place that we can gather that's hospitable to a big community? And can we offer it for free? Mm -hmm. I think that's where we yeah. started. Yeah, it's true. I kept thinking, the Black Barn can't live on Facebook. It just can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's anathema. So, so where can it live? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. And the really cool thing to me is, like, God wasn't surprised by the pandemic. Like, He knew. We didn't know, but He knew. And so when we started in February and we we released Paper and String and we launched the Blackboard Online, really, the Blackboard Online, I think we just thought, like, okay, it'll be an online place where people can gather and just talk about Paper and String. Like, here's a place where they can have conversations about it. Like, it, it will spur conversations, and now we're providing a place where they can you know, carry out those conversations with one another to make it more communal. Um, and we'd started to do that with no idea that in like a month and a half, a couple weeks, everything would be shut down. And now the only way we could gather would be in places like the Blackboard Online. And so to see how God had already like, like he sows seeds, right? Like he had sowed these seeds in us of discontent, the kind of that kind of spurred us to get imaginative and get creative and go ahead and set things up online so that when the time came, it was it was there to fulfill this, to meet this this great need that we hadn't even anticipated. And I find that really encouraging because I think like, okay, what else, like God, what else has, does God see that he's already preparing me for? And it's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. It's, it, 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 um, it's going to be, you know, just evidence of his, his provision, his farsight. Um, I, I don't know. I just find that really comforting. Like, oh, I don't have to predict the future. I don't have to, you know, prepare myself for every eventuality. Like, I can leave that in God's hands. So encouraging. Right. And it's interesting because dreams that we'd had years previously about things we were passionate about or how we wanted to gather writers or how we wanted to produce books out mm -hmm. of, you know, this idea of could we form a new kind of way of delivering content to people? 
And when you write those dreams down, you really have no idea. Like you just, you don't know how that will look. And and if right. you're me, you always think it'll look one way. Like I have this vision of how I think it will look. And so I remember there was a time where I did all this brainstorming and I wrote down how I would love to do like some kind of soul care for writers, like counseling, championing them, helping them form books, editing. And at the time had no idea what that would translate into. And I mean, it's been like five, six years since those initial conversations. And then the Black Barn online slowly grew bigger and bigger. And each month, you know, each series of months now, we have actual teachers come into the barn, host a table, whether it's on poetry or it's on the art of play and joy as adults, or if it's on cooking in your kitchen. And Chrissy, I think it's interesting that you as a professor, all right, that is really where you started out, are gathering like this faculty who come into yeah. the Black Barn online and offer courses to people in this very communal way around tables. So once again, it's a marrying of your farmhouse table, but also your professor's table, like your desk. And we bring people together in ways that if we had sat down to plan it out, I don't know that we would have landed on this. Yeah, no, that is so true. Like planning is so good if it's got this element of like dreaming and faith and listening. Um, and that's what we were doing. But uh, we had no idea. <laughs> we did no not idea. know. No, we had no idea. And so out of that, really, we started thinking about this idea of having wanted to send. Not only did we want to gather people into the barn, but we had this idea and and I wrote about this in the origin story of Paper and String, there's this word in Afrikaans that I love very much that I've grown up with. And the word is patkos. It's spelled P-A-D-K-O-S. And it really means road food. <laughs> but it's like the snacks you take on a trip. But it's not just snacks. It's like actual food. And I, if you think back to the ye olden days when there weren't gas stations and rest stops everywhere, like the, you know, my grandma would pack chicken salad sandwiches and she would bake scones and she would have a thermos of tea and a thermos of lemonade. And then there would be these little tiny tables at roadside, you know, pull-offs under trees where you would stop to eat the food you had brought with you, your patkos. And I remember saying to Christy as we were talking about how could we send something from the barn to people? Like, how could we send patkos? How could we send food for the road out to sustain people on their journey? What would that look like? And and so then we got excited and there were different people who it felt like to me all had different parts of the puzzle, like different pieces of the story. Our friend Alrina has a lot of experience in editorial and she had this vision and her son had talked about what are microtransactions like, and he was passionate about that. And our friend Amy has been studying spiritual direction and formation. And we have other friends who are editors. And then Christy's husband, John, is in business, and he understands how to set up, you know, the back end of these things. And somehow all of those little pieces came together and we dreamed up the idea of a care package we could send out. And we had always talked about if we published books ever, we'd love to wrap them up with real brown paper and string. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. when we were thinking about a digital product to send out paper and string just seemed like the right name for something we had thought initially, and maybe one day still will be a physical product we mail to people. But for now, it's digital, but it's beautiful. And when you click on it, it opens like a magazine and you can scroll the pages. And so paper and string was born out of our desire that again was triggered by a dissatisfaction. People saying, I wish I could get what you were doing there. And so we thought, all right, let's send them home with some food, some 
taste from the Black Barn online. And that's where Paper and String came from. And two years later, I can't believe it's still going. Mm-hmm. I know and has new contributors. And um, every month I get so excited to see what cover image Anna, our designer, will choose because they're all really place-based, like, you know, photographs I've taken here around the actual barn. And I always think like, we'll run out. We'll run out of like <laughs> new cover ideas. And yet we never do. She It just keeps generating. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so funny. You're the one taking those pictures, though. So how <laughs> can you be worried we're going to run out of them? What do you mean? <laughs> maybe that's why, I don't know, a little bit of scarcity there. Or I feel like, maybe because I see it every day, I think there's there's no more beauty, but there's always more beauty. There's, <laughs> there's always no more. no more beauty. Words I cannot imagine you ever saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what a surprising experience that is still very much unfolding. I mean, it's like two years in, we're still just like toddlers, I guess, figuring <laughs> figuring things out. And also, like, we're so not babies anymore. Like, we figured a lot of things out. And um, it's a little bit of both. So, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what else? what else might our listeners want to know about the origin or our experience with it? Um, I'll share one thing that I have learned that might be helpful for our listeners is that um, here's something else I talk about. You and I talk about community, relationship, how much this matters, connecting with one another. Like these words are easy to say. Like we know that they're true. Yes, yes, yes. Community, relationship. I would have gone on and on prior to these two years saying like, yeah, we need other people. We're formed in community, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, like, I'm an introvert. I really just like being alone. <laughs> I, like, if if it were just me and kind of my, f- my ego, my fleshly sense, what kind of life would I orchestrate for myself? Like, it would, I would work, I would do solitary work every day, all day. <laughs> I would edit my photos alone. I would work in my garden alone. I might check in with my children over meals, and then I would go back and read a book alone, right? Like, in my head, that's what I want. That's what I'm suited for. But of course, it's not really true. <laughs> and the harder thing for me to, like, leave my solitariness and step out and connect with others is actually the thing I need. And so doing this work for two years with other people, like this is, like I would have always said before, Lisa Joe, I was one of those students, like, yeah, I hate group work. I right. don't do group work. Right. Group work is totally. the worst. This is like the ultimate group work. Yes. Right? Right. And there is still a part of me that like resists that and says, no, I don't do group work. I don't like group work. But you know what? Group work is what I need. Group work <laughs> is what we all need. Group work is like how Christ shows up in our presence. And group work, it turns out, is like how we actually m- make art together by building beautiful communities. Like that's actually true for all of us. Like none of us, no matter how introverted we are, <laughs> no matter how solitary we want to be, gets a pass on that. I don't get a pass on that. And you know what? Thank goodness. Like, I I know now deep in my bones how necessary this is, but it doesn't mean that my personality changes and, like, it's always going to be like, yay, I get to have a Zoom meeting. (laughs) Yay, I get to do more group work. Like, no. And also, 
yes, this is good work. I, I, I won't, I won't let it go now because I know how good it is for me. Um, but I guess I just want to share that too. It's like, it's not like doing the right thing, following what you're meant to do, seeing your dream, dreams come true is always a party and always feels so comfortable and always feels so easy. The truth is, no, it's in that sense, it's like gardening too. Like there are days I just hate my garden and don't want to be out there and just want to hide in the air conditioning. Like that is still true. So I don't know. <laughs> I think what it has taught me too is that often in the space that I inhabit in a world of writers, uh, I have heard the word art bandied about a lot that people calling themselves artists and that we make art. And for a long time, I really resisted that word. It annoyed me. It felt pretentious. I thought, you know, I'm one of those who struggles when, you know, a writer posts a picture of their latte and their desk in some coffee shop, you know, and they have some very transcendent caption about what they're doing. And the pragmatist in me wants to say, no, you are working. Guess what? We're all working. You know, lawyers don't go to work and post romantic pictures of their you know desktop and their briefs they just go to work like writers stop stop making it fancier than it is just show up and go to work i actually believe still there's an element of that that's incredibly important and a lot of writers would benefit from thinking of what they do as work that they need to sit in the chair and do the work at the same time what this community has given me is a reminder that everything that we are doing to the glory of god is art not just writers, but writers also, but also yeah. bakers and chefs and teachers and accountants who are putting mm -hmm. together the music of numbers. Everything is art. Gardeners and people who pump gas and, you know, wash dishes in restaurants or chefs who plate the food. Like all of us are making a symphony to the creator. And, and I needed to learn that. I needed to learn that hard work is required. And yet at the same time, if we are doing that work to the glory of God, we are artists. We are creators who are creating something. Our tools are all different. Our outcomes are different. The material we use is different. I work with words. You might work with numbers. Somebody else works with grass seeds. But we are creating. And I think this community has really transformed me in that way. It has given me permission, but not just permission, almost like a, a friendly shove to say, guess what? You make art too. So if you are listening, I just want to affirm that you, you are an artist listening, whatever the thing is that you feel that burning in your bones. And guess what? Some days there's not a burning. There's like an exhaustion in your bones. The thing that you are doing for God, for his glory, whether it brings in income or not, and sometimes it does both, but that's art. And that was a very important lesson for me to really sink into my bones. Let's put it on a t-shirt, Lisa Joe. Every good thing we make is art. Yes, for <laughs> real. Every good thing you make is art. Yes. I love it. Oh, it's so, so true. Oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. I think that is a great place to like pause the conversation or close the conversation and invite people in. I mean, so many of you who are listening are already in the Black Barn online. And this conversation is really for you too. like a thank you. And a thank you for, for being with us and creating this work of art with us. It's so, so exciting. But if you've never checked it out, like I said, it's free, just blackbarnonline.com. 
Um, and then maybe there'll be something else there that you want to, you know, um, even move into deeper community, join a table, uh, check out the art gallery. Um, we have workshops occasionally, retreats, um, all kinds of things. So we're there for you. And definitely, I'm going to do the hard sell here. You should subscribe to Paper and String. It's gorgeous. <laughs> you really should. And I think what we'll do is figure out how we can share a little taste test of that yeah. for you in the show notes this week. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe we'll make it available to our email subscribers. So if you don't subscribe to Out of the Ordinary Podcast, we'll have a link in the show notes where you can subscribe and we'll send you over a copy of Paper and String. I think I'm deciding we'll talk with our editor, but I think that's what we'll do next week. Yeah. Whoever, whoever's on our email list, we'll just make sure we include a link uh, to the Paper and String anniversary issue so you get a look. So make sure you go to the show notes today, click subscribe to the podcast email list. We only email once a week just to let you know when our new shows are live but if there's anything special or behind the scenes those folks get it too so we hope this conversation just reminds you today you are an artist your dreams don't have to start big <laughs> by their nature they should start small and often they look as zoe my our resident artist reminded me once she paints all the time her bedroom is covered in paint I buy canvases and she just paints, 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 paints over them, paints her drawers, paints her cupboards, paints her walls. She paints everything. And one day when I was sharing with her about a frustration on a chapter I was trying to work through and how it hadn't turned out the way I wanted, she looked at me and she said, you know what, mom? I get choked up every time I remember this story. She said, sometimes the picture you have in your head is not how it turns out on the canvas and that's okay. And uh, that's my reminder, no matter what it is that you are making or creating this week, if it doesn't look like your picture in your head, that's okay. Sometimes, that's okay. sometimes that's how we stumble onto the most beautiful pieces. 